Morgan Jones is the host of the All In Podcast and Manager of Audience Engagement for Deseret Book. She previously wrote for the Deseret News, where she published more than 480 stories. In her new book, All In, exploring what it means to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ, she shares what she has learned from interviewing over 130 people about their faith in Jesus Christ. Morgan is happiest when she's wearing sweatpants and will never get enough of dark chocolate. She currently lives in Salt Lake City, but will forever be a North Carolina Tar Heel. I loved talking to Morgan on my podcast, and we've been friends for years, and I absolutely devoured her book in just a couple of days. So I can't wait to share her insights with you and a little sneak peek of some of the content in her book. And I think you guys are going to fall in love with her. Hey, I am so excited to have my friend Morgan Jones here with me. I am so honored to be with you. Oh, thanks, Morgan. She's the host of All In, which is a super popular podcast for religion and spirituality and Christianity. And um, we're also going to talk about her book that she just released with Deseret Book called All In. But before we get into all of that, I want to hear about your background. And this, I think a lot of people think that you started with All In as your podcast, but that's not really where it all got started, right? Yeah. So I I guess my my background, I'll just start with, I ended up taking an internship at Deseret News. I had already done four internships in college. Oh, wow. And I was at this point 25 years old. Mm -hmm. And I always say if I was not in like a really terrible job situation, I never would have taken another internship. But I was like in the depths of humility (laughs) and really just needed to get out of a bad job. And so I ended up taking this internship and it was like the biggest blessing. And I stayed there for four and a half years, wrote faith-related stories. I managed the faith and family section. And that's when we met because I wrote a story and you were interviewed for it. And then I ended up right toward the end of my time at Deseret News, the opinion editor there at the time, his name's Hal Boyd. He came to me and he said, Morgan, I've got an idea for a podcast. And I said, cool. I didn't know anything about podcasting. Like legitimately, Corinne, I thought you had to pay for them. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know how they worked. Yeah. And well, you kind of do. You have to pay to host it somewhere. Right. But like I thought the people listening. Like oh. I did I didn't I didn't realize it was like this free resource available to everybody. I didn't yeah. know the first thing about them. And so he starts telling me how he feels like there is so much out there about why people are choosing to walk away from faith. Yes. And he said, I think that it would be really cool if there was a podcast that talked to people about why they stay. Yeah. And he said, I think the the decision to stay is just as deliberate and just as thoughtful as the decision to leave. We just don't hear it. It's like a silent majority situation. So true. And I said, that is brilliant. You should totally do that. And he was like, no, no, no. I think you need to host it. And I was like, what? Like, I don't know the first thing about hosting a podcast. I don't have a background in journalism. And he said, well, you've been doing interviews for four and a half years. It's just that no one's ever heard them. And when he said that, it was kind of like a light bulb went off for me. And I was like, he's right. And this would be a way to learn more about interviewing people and to develop a new skill, which was appealing to me. And I think also just the thought that somebody believed that I was capable of doing it. It's kind of like when somebody, when you feel that somebody believes in you, you're like, I want to prove them right. Yeah. And so we started working on a podcast. It was not called All In. It was called Faith Lived or something really boring like that. And the day that it was supposed to come out, Deseret News killed it and decided not to publish it. And but mainly, and it makes sense now in retrospect, they were trying to reach a more national audience. They felt like leaning into a Latter-day Saint space at the time wouldn't make any sense for the strategy that they were trying to do. Okay, But fortunately, I ended up coming to Deseret Book and LDS Living, and they were trying to start a podcast. And they said, have, do you have any interest? And I said, yes, it'd be nice to have one that people can actually listen to. Yeah. But that's like kind of where I don't want to 
I don't want to discredit Hal and his great idea because I think it, for me, ended up really influencing what All In is. But at the same time, when I got to Deseret Book, they had ideas that I think took it to another level in terms of like, I don't think, I think the question, what does it mean to you to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ changed everything. And that was not the question initially. So I think it's interesting how like different people contributed different things. And, and I don't want to take credit for all of it because it was not all my idea In fact, none of it was my idea, really. And I also think like different people that were involved with different parts of it, like even the logo. So a girl on my team, Kenzie Smith, she designed the logo. And then actually, when we started working on this book, she ended up being the one to design the book. And so like she's done a ton for the podcast, but nobody sees that. Right. And I'm like, I get the the attention. So anyway. So cool. Okay. So I want to back up and highlight, you said you don't have a degree in journalism. That surprises me. I totally assumed you did. No. So my degree is in communications, but my emphasis was in public relations. Oh, okay. Reason being, when I was in school, it was when blogs were really starting to blow up. Yep. And people just said, you shouldn't study journalism. There are no jobs. There are not going to be any jobs in journalism. And I was like, well, if there are not going to be any jobs, why would I ever study that? Right. And so I went around. I was working in the athletic department in media relations at the time. And I started going around. I still remember asking everybody in the office, like, what did you major in? And Mm -hmm. all of them had majored in public relations. And so I was like, okay, I guess that's the move. That's your ticket. Yeah. So I went with that. But then... Funny enough, I ended up with a job in journalism. Yeah. So I want to kind of paint the picture, too, if anyone isn't from Utah or doesn't have necessarily ties to our church because we belong to the same church. So Deseret Book is not just a bookstore, but they're a A publishing company. Right. And a store, too. Uh And then Deseret News is like kind of the premier newspaper for a news source for Salt Lake City, Utah, really all of Utah. Yeah. So just to kind of paint that picture. But it's interesting that you moved from one to the other. And like you mentioned, we met when you were working at Deseret News. And what's funny about that is I remember, I think our mutual friend Marianne reached out to me first and said that you were writing an article about bloggers and how they started their blogs and mommy blogging. And she did not tell me that you wrote the faith column. So when I got on the phone with you and you started asking these questions, I don't know if you remember this, but I kept saying, you're probably not going to like my answers, but I kept giving you all these answers about God leading me Faith. to certain things or whatever. <laughs> yes. And I was thinking she is not going to use any of this. She's going to trash every piece of this. And then it ended up, I was so surprised that it was an actual article for the faith column. Right. But I think it's really incredible to hear kind of your progression of your career and where you're where your background started in education and just how it feels like God totally led you to the places you've been so far in your career. And I want to go back too to what you said about you had skills interviewing people. And I don't know if you remember this, but my sister and I are both super fans of Greg McEwen and you sent us the audio. Am I in trouble for saying no, this? No, no, no. You can you, say it. Okay. You sent us the the audio version of your interview with Greg McEwen and said, don't share this with anyone. But I knew you guys would love it. Because it was for this. a print article, yes, right? Yes, for a print article. And, and I just ate it up. And I, I remember talking to Brooke about it. And we just loved it so much. And I remember thinking, you are such a natural at this. So it totally makes sense to me that you moved into podcasting. But I remember you saying something super profound in that interview, and I don't know if you will remember it, but you said something to Greg about you had noticed that there was a similarity with so many people that you had interviewed in that faith space and something about when people turn their lives over to God, what happens? Do you remember that? And can you share that with me? Yeah. So my favorite quote ever is by Ezra Taft Benson. And he talks about how men and women who turn their lives over to God will find that he can do so much more with their lives than they can. And then he goes on to list a bunch of things that happen when we turn our lives over to God. And the thing that I observed in interviewing a lot of people is that The people, no matter what field they're in, no matter what they're aspiring to do, 
And it doesn't have to be anything to do with religion, but the people that want to be used by God seem to me to find success. And often I think in ways that they don't anticipate. Totally. It's like you, Corinne. I think you're a great example of this. Somebody who followed the direction that you felt like you were receiving, right? And it might have been completely unexpected. You're like in postpartum depression. You start this blog. And then because of that, the Lord has been able to use you in ways that you never, ever anticipated. And I think it's funny because I just I had a conversation with a friend the other day who said to me, like, do you remember when you were moving over to Deseret Book and you said that you were worried that by moving to Deseret Book, it would mean that you would never get to write a book? Because I'd always wanted to write a book. And I thought if I was an employee of the company, they'd never want to publish a book that I had written. And so it's just interesting. Like at that point, I didn't realize that I would ever have a chance to do a podcast. I couldn't have foreseen that the podcast would be the way that I would get to write a book, you know? Yeah. But like, I think the biggest thing for me has always been, I want to be used by God and it doesn't matter what that looks like. Right. And so it's just kind of like, here I am, like, do what you want with me. And when we do that, the interesting thing is, I think Heavenly Father has this ability to take the things that we really want to do, and maybe we would never even admit it to somebody because we would feel embarrassed or sheepish or whatever. And He makes those desires happen, but even bigger than what we would have imagined. Yes. Yes, I love that. And that reminds me of one of your most recent episodes with Kurt Frankham, where he talked about wanting to lead in the church and how that's like such a faux pas, but that actually Christ was one of the first people who said, here I am, send me. And when I heard that, my mind was exploding. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is just a completely new way right, to think of serving in the church. And it goes right along with what you're saying that, you know, sometimes Heavenly Father takes those little desires and and He pushes us to do things that maybe we wouldn't do right. all on our own. So I, I really love that. Okay. So why faith? Like, why have you continued with that path in your career? Because it's something you easily could have said, okay, I'm I'm kind of done with this. Now I'm ready to move on to sports because I know you love sports or anything else. I do love sports. And it's funny because when I was at Deseret News, I sat right next to the sports team. And it was like so (laughs) great because I could participate in conversations with them. And the sports editor at the time, he would every now and then he'd be like, Morgan, are you sure you don't want to move over to sports? And I was always like a little bit tempted because... I, at one point, that would have been my dream job would have been to do something. And I still like sometimes I'm like, that would be fun. But I think there are a couple of reasons for that. I think one, I grew up in a part of North Carolina where there were not a lot of members of our church. And I always felt this desire to feel connected to my faith and even to people that were just faithful in general. My One of my best friends in high school was a girl that was not a member of our church, but a very religious, like solid human, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think we were friends because I felt drawn to somebody that also believed in Jesus and wanted yeah. to do what was right. I felt like those people were harder to find um, and it was harder to find people to connect with. And so I always wanted to feel that connection, but struggled to do so. And so it was like things like church magazines, like our church puts out a few magazines, one for teenagers, one for adults. And I would read those, Corinne, and just be like, if I ever had a chance to be friends with this person, like what would that look like? You know, because I just didn't, I didn't have a lot of, a lot of friends that shared my faith or any faith. So I think part of it is that I feel like if I can help anybody feel a little bit less alone in believing, whether it's somebody in Australia or like England, you know, like if I can help anybody or Louisiana feel like they are not alone in living their faith, then that's something worth doing with my life. 
I think partially because I just think of like that little girl in North Carolina who just wanted to feel like she belonged to something. And if I can help other people feel that, then that's worth it. I think the other thing is, in my mind, yes, I could go and do something in sports and it would be really fun. But on the flip side, I'm like, is there anything that matters more than what people believe in? And faith. And I think, especially in the world that we live in, it can be hard to be a person of faith. And I think that it takes, I don't want to put myself up up on a pedestal at all, because I think there are a lot of people that could do this job just as well as I do it. But I think that when you are reporting about faith and you're talking to people about faith, sometimes you see not only the really great things, but you see the hard things too. Right. And I feel like one thing that God has blessed me with is a believing heart. And so I feel like he can use me in this space and the stuff that is scary or might be hard, it's not going to run me off. Yeah. You know, and I say that fully acknowledging that Satan's probably just going to like unleash on me (laughs) after saying that. But I have, you know, that's a, I don't know that I knew that about you, but I feel like we're kindred spirits in that way because I've always said that I, one of my gifts of the spirit is being a believer since I was a little girl. Right. So um, I love knowing that about you. But I could, I was trying earlier today to find where we had a conversation and I can't remember if it was on the phone or if it was our DMs or our texts, but I couldn't find it in any of those places. Maybe it was an email, but I remember asking you a few months ago, do you feel like there's so much adversarial, um, like, do you feel like the adversary is just after you all the time for all of this good that you're doing? And I loved your response to that. Do you remember? I don't remember. What did I say? I just remember you saying something about you just keep doing it. And you said, yeah, with this book, like I have felt a ton of um, adversity and you just have to, you said something to the effect of like, you just have to push through it. Yeah. I think Corinne, the last couple of years of my life, have been the hardest. And I think a lot of people would look and be like, oh, wow, you know, like you started this thing and it's done really well. And now you have this book, which we know you is something you've always wanted to do. And I do feel incredibly blessed in that department. And I feel incredibly blessed in life in general. But having said that, like over the last couple of years, a good number of my siblings have left the church. I've dealt with health stuff that I've never dealt with before and have just like gone through some things that I never anticipated. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I do feel like Satan just like works hard on us, you know, and you find it in feeling like he gets inside your head and you're like, get out. I don't want anything to do with you. Please get out of my head. But it happens. And I think it happens when we're trying really hard to do good things in particular. Yes. And I feel it. Neil and I talk about this a lot when whenever he is supposed to speak or I'm supposed to speak specifically to like a church group. Mm hmm. We always get in a fight right before, <laughs> like every time. And we're always like, is this worth it? Right. Is it even worth it to show up and do these things? Because sometimes it feels like, man, if this is going to happen every time, like maybe we just stop speaking to groups. Right. <laughs> but it, but just like, you know, you're saying that you just have to, you know, kind of face it and know that that's going to come. And I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, Wendy Nelson kind of talked, she went around and and right after President Nelson became the prophet, gave kind of the same talk in a lot of places, talking about some of the adversity that he was facing too. And it was, to me, it felt comforting to be like, okay, even the prophet of our church, even the president of our church is facing things like this. So, right. um, but I just would imagine that for you, it has to be happening all the time because these are the only kind of 
interviews that you're doing are interviews about people staying in the gospel and right. and being true to their faith. Well, and I think to your point, it's interesting too and helpful, I think, to find that these people that I'm interviewing, the same thing is true of them, right? That like Satan is working hard on them too. And so at least, you know, you're not alone in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good to recognize because it seems like sometimes, oh, is this only happening to me? Or maybe it's because I'm doing something wrong or maybe I'm on the wrong path, but right. sometimes it's the opposite Yeah, that you're on the right path. So I want to talk to you about Lindsay Ricks in the book. You talked about how she said, I chose this and wanted this for a reason. And I thought that was one of my most favorite things that I read in the book and just thinking about that. And it seems like a lot of your guests have kind of echoed that same type of thought. Where do you stand with that? Like in an observation standpoint, you know, seeing lots of different people and lots of different challenges that they've overcome. What have you observed as far as seeing people who have chosen or been willing to go through something that blesses other people? Yeah. So I'll give you an example, not in the book and has nothing to do with the podcast, but the very first feature story that I ever wrote at Deseret News was about this couple, the Griglas. I think I'm saying their last name right. Mm -hmm. But they were, they got married a little bit older in life and they were trying to have a child and both of them had had successful careers and they prayed and said, Heavenly Father, we really want to have a child. If you will give us one, we will take as many as you will send us. And they had five kids in, I want to say less than two years, but it may be less than three years. Wow. Because they had triplets and then I think they had twins. Anyway, that story like blew my mind and I was so impressed by them. They were just like really solid people. And I was like, of course God would want to send five kids to them, yeah. you know, like, and their faith to be like, if you'll give us one, we'll take as many as you'll send. And I think that there is something about a willingness. And again, it comes back to that idea of turning your life over to God, but there's something about a willingness to choose whatever God wants for you and to like take it head on. I think Lindsey Ricks is an interesting example. So for those listening that are not familiar with her episode, she has a son named William who is the cutest person to the point that I for months had a picture of William on my fridge because Uh every time I looked at it, it made me happy. Yeah. But William has both Down syndrome and autism. And Lindsay Ricks, I grew up around her. She, her family would come to my ward, my our church congregation during the summers. Okay. And I always looked up to her as a person. She's like super classy, just like the kind of girl you would want to be like. And like I said, there weren't a lot of great examples where I grew up. And so I think I always looked up to her and thought she was so cool. And then she got married and grew up. And I have watched her raise this child with these challenges. And I'm like, she's so much better than I thought. Like, she's even better than I thought, which is so cool. Um, And you realize like, oh, like that really was a role model worth having. Yeah. Um, And so I think there's something to whether you whether we chose it in the preexistence or not, whether we chose the challenges that we face before we came here to earth or whether God gives us this challenge and it's like, that's what he's giving me. I'm going to take it and make the very best of it. Yeah. And I'm amazed by how many people are capable of doing that. And I also think that it's just, it's interesting because it seems to me like the challenges that God chooses to give us are exactly the challenge that we can handle. Yeah, so true. But some of us don't want to hear that. And some of us feel like that's not true. (laughs) Well, but like, Corinne, you have gone through an incredible challenge and you've rocked it. 
You know, like you may not feel like you've rocked it, but from the outside looking in, you have handled something that has been incredibly hard with such grace and also inspiring other people in the same struggles. But it was not graceful for a long time, for many but years. But you got there. Yeah, we got there you know? eventually. Yeah. And I think I think the interesting thing is this, like, would we choose it? Maybe not. But is it the thing that for whatever reason, with whatever skills that we have or characteristics, we're able to handle that particular thing? And I there's a I just recently interviewed Lisa Valentine Clark. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about losing her husband to ALS. And she said, I actually believe God does give us more than we can handle. Yes. But then he makes it possible for us to handle it. And so all that to say, I don't know how it works with like the things that we end up being faced with in this life. But I do think that some of the most remarkable people that I've met are the people that are like, okay, this is the mountain that you're going to give me. I'm going to climb it. And they make the best of it. And I don't know, I would hope that whatever the challenges are that I'm facing, that I can do it like a lot of the people that I've been able to interview, you included. Thank you. Yeah, I love that answer. And I think too, what a dull and sad world it would be if we were surrounded by people who didn't have to go through anything hard, right? Right. And we wouldn't learn anything from each other. So it's one of those necessary evils of living through life, I guess. Well, and it totally changes you, right? You have so much more compassion when you have been through hard things. You want to be kinder because you don't know what other people are going through. Like all of those things don't happen when life is really great. They happen when life is hard. That's so true. Well, I thought of Neil when I read that part because interestingly, when his brother Dave was murdered a couple of years ago, He and my sister-in-law, Dave's wife, and several other people said this was supposed to happen. And Neil really feels like we, this was his own like personal revelation that he's shared more than once. He was like, I think we all agreed to this beforehand and we knew that this was going to happen. And and the way that that has changed him and changed his family, I think there are still awful things that they're dealing with with that. But there are some things that, I don't know, we were supposed to go through and that Neil was supposed to go through in this life. And and more importantly, that whatever Dave's path was here was supposed to continue on there in right. heaven and not here anymore at a right. certain point. And But anyway, I could just sit and, because I'm so comfortable with you, I could sit and just chit chat about these things, but I have more important and questions. And I, I could do it all day as well. Okay, I really want to know where you decided to also include people of other faiths. And I love that part about All In. And why is that important to include other Christian women or guests or whatever? Yeah. So that was something that from the very, very beginning, we were really deliberate. The question could be, what does it mean to you to be all in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Yes. But the whole reason that we chose the gospel of Jesus Christ is because we wanted to be able to include people of other faiths. So from the very the very first episodes that we ever published, we published three on the same day. Mm-hmm. And one of those included a woman who was not a member of the church and was a Christian, Nish Wyseth. And... So I feel like that's been something that like we've wanted to do the whole time. Reason being, one thing that we really want in all of our episodes is to show that we're all more the same than we are different. Yes. And that no matter what the struggle, it's it's something that Patricia Holland has said in her book, A Quiet Heart. She talks about how we create these artificial barriers between each other. Mm-hmm. And if we could take down those barriers, we would see that we're all more the same. 
And I think that the really one of the most interesting takeaways for me from hosting this podcast is finding that while you and I, Corinne, may be going through very different things, the lessons that we're learning through those things often are similar. Yeah. And so like what we're taking away from those experiences, we can connect over those things and people can listen to like your episode of the podcast and they may be going through something totally different. But they're like, when she said that, that really resonated with me because I have a daughter who's struggling with fill in the blank, you know. And the cool thing with including people of other faiths was to show you may belong to a different faith. But we believe in the same Savior, and we're also going through the same things yeah. that you're going through. And so I, I have loved those interviews with people of other faiths. I remember when we did the one with Kristen Chenoweth. Mm-hmm. We got to the all in it question, and I was like, I don't know how she's going to feel about this. you yeah. know. And she was just like... I love that question. And so it's been fun to see people get into it. Lauren Daigle, I think her reaction was really similar as well. Just like loving that question. Yeah. So anyway, I just think it's been really rewarding. And I also am like a fan of some of those people. Like I love Lauren Daigle and just think that she's so cool. And I'll tell you this because you'll appreciate it. So she gets on the the call where it's during COVID. So we're remote. She gets on the call and they didn't turn on like her video screen. Mm-hmm. And I was like kind of bummed because I was like, this is my chance to talk to Lauren Daigle. And like, she can't see me, you know, yeah. or she could see me. I couldn't see her. And Ooh, that's kind of, that's a little dangerous. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we finished the interview and she goes, Hey, I just realized that my screen has not, my video hasn't been on this whole time. Do you mind if I turn it on and say hi? And I just thought like, it was so sweet of her because I think she probably knew that like that would mean something to me. Yeah. And that she took the time to do that and just like turned her video on and chatted with me for a few minutes. And then it was like, okay, have a good life, you know, but I, I just that. thought it was so sweet. And also just like a good example of what Christ would do, you know, yeah. like he would want to make somebody's day. And that was cool for me. Oh, that's such an awesome story. And actually a side note too, that you will appreciate when I first started doing podcasting and we, we do almost all of our interviews over Zoom. This is a real treat to be in person with you. Well, it's a treat for me, but one of my first interviews was Spence Tagger. I don't know if you know Spence, yeah. but his video was on. No, his <laughs> video was off. Mine was on. And I didn't realize like halfway through the interview, I realized that I had been like twirling my hair <laughs> and like pulling different things out. I'm in my closet, like pulling a shirt out, feeling it like, is this still pilly? Is, you know what I mean? And I'm paying attention because women can can multitask. multitask very well. I am totally zoned in on what he's saying. But then after I was like, man, I could have been like changing my clothes or something and not had any This idea could have that, been a real disaster. You know what I mean? So now I have that rule of if you have your screen on, I do too. But if you have yours off, mine goes off right, too. Right. So, but that's so cool that Lauren like took that time to talk to you and just make you feel like, I love that when someone makes you feel like you're the most important person yeah. in, in the world right now. Going back to this, like the cause of Christians, I love that you guys have been about that. And that's something that I feel like I've had to evolve and change what my thought process is because I'm such a like gung-ho, Book of Mormon, that type of person. Like we need to flood the earth. Share what you believe. And I'm so like passionate about that. And Lizzie Jensen actually really helped reel me in and say, no, Corinne, like when the second coming happens, it's going to be a bunch of Christians all <laughs> worshiping Christ together. It is not just going to be the people who read the Book of Mormon. And I was like, you're right. You're totally right. I need to repent. I need to get more on board with that idea. And and I feel like All In has really helped me with that, not only with listening to the podcast, but reading the book was it was different. It was a different experience than just listening to the podcast because I think that with all of these quotations and different ideas and experiences all kind of squished into one book that you can digest within like a couple of days, it really makes your wheels turn because back to back to back, you have different perspectives of people saying, what does this mean to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? So where did that question come from? 
So I wish, Corinne, that I could tell you who came up with the question. What I know is this. There were four of us in a room brainstorming possible names for the podcast. And the one thing that I knew is, and I say this, like I said, knew nothing about podcasts. But when we had started working on the one at Deseret News, I had started listening to a few just to get a taste for like what different people did and who I liked and who I didn't like and kind of trying to mimic the people that I liked. Yeah. And the one thing that I had noticed was the the interview style podcasts that I felt like were really effective were the ones that asked a consistent question at the mm. end. And I was like, okay, I know that I want to have a question. I don't know what the question is. And when we had worked on the one at Deseret News, the question was, why do you stay? Which I think is a, a great good question. question. Yeah. But we started talking about, you know, could we have it play into the name of the podcast and and what would that look like? And we had a few really bad ideas for names. <laughs> and then we started talking about, well, we talked about All In. And then the first question that we thought of was, why are you All In the Gospel of Jesus Christ? But our fear with that was that it would lend itself to answers that would sound kind of self-righteous. Like, look at me. I'm so great. I'm all in. And also that it would maybe deter some people from sharing what they do know Mm -hmm. because they'd feel like, oh, well, I have to be all in if I'm going to answer this question and then I can never make a mistake again, you know? Yep. So we felt like if we took that question and shifted it a little bit. And instead it was, what does it mean to you to be all in? It might not be what you feel like you are in the moment and just what you'd like to be. Yeah. Or it can apply to what you're going through. It just, to me, when the question shifted from why are you all in to what does it mean to you to be all in, it opened it up a ton. So once we came up with that, which again, I don't even know who it was that came up with it. Once that question was suggested, it was like it changed the whole thing. It's such a significant question. It's so good. I love it. So why a book then after all this podcasting and where did that come from? I know it was kind of a COVID project. So talk to me about why you chose this book. So initially, I had the idea because other people had the idea. So we had several people that wrote in and said that they were taking all of those last answers and collecting them in like their own notebook. Oh, how cool. And I was like, well, if people are doing this on their own, maybe we could make their lives easier and just put them all together. And that idea, it wouldn't have involved a lot of writing on my end, but I was like, it'll be like a service to the people that listen. Right. Yeah. And so we don't drink coffee, but (laughs) yes, but you know, same principle. Yeah. Hot chocolate table book. Yep. And that was the idea. But then the problem was once we started going through it, There were certain episodes where, yes, that last question is like all encapsulating and stands alone by itself really great. But then there are other ones where like the stronger quote was earlier in the interview or you really needed the previous 35 to 40 minutes for that last answer to make any sense at all. Totally. And so we kind of had to revisit. Is there a different way to do this? What would that look like? And... It ended up being a lot more me than what I had planned on. But the cool thing is it really caused me to reflect on what I have learned from doing this. And so the whole time I was working on it, I was like, you know what? If for no other reason than the fact that I have done a terrible job of keeping a journal through the last couple of years... I will be glad that I did this and have something to give my kids someday and be like, this is what I did during this period of my life. And so it gave it a lot of a a lot more purpose for me. And it was like my boyfriend worked a lot at night. And so it was like he would do his thing and I would write. And it was just something to pass time, I think, during COVID. So it worked out nicely. A very worthwhile pastime. I really love, too, how you talk about different levels of being all in and that we have peaks and valleys. And I wanted to know why that was important to you to acknowledge 
And what made you decide to kind of lean into that? Because it seems like you really leaned into that. I think that was really important for me because there is a misperception. I think a lot of times when people hear the name all in, maybe like all perfect or something. Right. And that yeah. I think that was my only fear with that being the name of the podcast is that it might deter some people from listening that would listen otherwise. And actually, we've gotten some messages from people that have said, you know, have you ever considered changing your name? Like, I feel like some people would listen that won't listen because of the name. But I think that the name works because it's not what you think. Meaning, I think we have this perception in our minds that all in means completely committed all the time. We never have doubts. We never have questions. We are like tried and true, which is great. I think that's what we all want to be. If you are a believing member of the church, I think you would aspire to be the type that's just like unshaken. But I think people go through things that rattle their faith, things that they don't expect. I think that people have different challenges and questions that come up for them. And sometimes they're just in the process of like trying to work through those questions. So I think that's the reason that I leaned into it is because I want people when they see that phrase all in to think that instead of it being I am perfect Mm -hmm. (laughs) that it's all are welcomed in and there's a place for you no matter where you're at with your faith we want you to come in we want you to join with us and we will take you however you are yeah and you guys have done a beautiful job with that with really conveying that message in a really powerful way. And I feel like it shows by the type of people that you've brought into the podcast. And it's it's such a wide variety of perspectives. And it's not all like, let's just bring people in who are very clean cut and who have no skeletons on their in their closet and nothing to hide. And I mean, Neil and I are a perfect example of that. You know, let's bring in a couple that has, is overcoming, you know, pornography addiction. It's not like the prettiest thing. Well, and the interesting thing is there are still so many things like that that I want to address on the podcast. Yeah. And I think it's a matter of like finding the right people to speak to those things. But one thing that I want at some point to do an episode on is somebody who the spouse had an affair. I want to do an episode with a couple because I think that that would be so powerful. But who wants to talk about it? Well, you know? I know a few people in recovery, so I'll put it out and, perfect, see, perfect. and see if anyone is willing. But speaking about them completely anonymously, yeah, those are some of the people who I think are the most all in because here's the interesting thing. I feel like, the, and I only know men, but I, the men who went through that hit their rock bottom and then started coming to an ARP 12-step meeting, they took it more seriously than anybody else in the room because they knew I either fix this and get it right and I'm serious about it or everything in my life goes away. Right. And I've watched more than one person over and over not only completely turn their life around, but just be this like beautiful example of completely taking on the Savior's Atonement and changing their life. So yeah. I think there's a lot of those out there. Well, and I I know multiple people who I feel the same way about. And I also think that the spouse that has been cheated on, mm-hmm. I think that those people sometimes understand the atonement better than just about anybody that I know. So anyway, yes. Yes. I digress. But Well, so on that note, though, do you have any bucket list people that you're hoping to interview someday? Do you want to say them or no? I can say them. Because maybe somebody knows them. I would love to interview Gladys Knight. I have given all that I have into trying to get Brandon Flowers, and it hasn't happened yet. Everyone knows that I would love to interview Kelly Clarkson. (laughs) Uh, But another person in like the Christian space Mm -hmm. that I would really love to interview is Amy Grant. 
Oh, yeah. She's I just so think classy. She's, she is so classy. Um, I think she'd be fantastic. I don't know. There's a long list of people that I think would be really, really great. Harold Kushner. If oh, you get him, I, I want his him. number too. <laughs> He's so great. And Arthur one of my Brooks, faves. Yeah. another great one. Oh, there's just so many good ones out there. Will you ever have our prophet on the podcast? If President Nelson is listening to this and would like to come on the podcast, he has an open invitation anytime. I've tried. President Nelson is not listening to this I've podcast. To Maybe get, yours, though. I've tried to get Sister Nelson yeah. to come on, and we have been unsuccessful up to this point, but. Maybe. Well, I think her bestie is your boss, right? So her maybe. Her bestie is our boss. Yes. yes. So maybe someday. Okay. I could just talk your ear off all night long, but oh, I really, really wanted to ask you this. You said in the book, covenants are a matter of playing the long game. What does that mean? Okay. So this is something that of everything that I've learned from hosting this podcast, I think my idea of covenants has changed so much really? that that was something that I wanted to make sure was in the book. So for those listening that are not familiar with that word, when we talk about covenants, we're talking about making promises with God. And sometimes we make covenants with like a spouse. We'd make a covenant with our spouse and with God, but it's making a promise we make promises, God makes promises back to us. Yep. And I think the thing that started to shift for me is this understanding of the beauty of covenants, meaning we, in our limited perspective, I don't think can totally appreciate just how powerful God is and that when he makes a promise to us, just how powerful his end of the deal is. And a lot of times I think we make those covenants and we don't truly appreciate them until way further down the road. So the example that I give in the book is my grandmas are both converts to the church. And I don't think until both of them lost their husbands that they totally, I still don't think either one of them like totally gets the gospel. Because they've, I mean, they didn't grow up with it. I don't think I totally get it either, you yeah. know, but I think that they join the church because they love their husband and they loved, my dad's mom loved the idea that families could be together forever. That was like, oh, she could tell you every time you saw her, like, I'm so glad that we get to be together forever. Oh, I love so that. I think that for her, there were like these parts of the gospel that appealed to her. But I think it's not until there's a quote by C.S. Lewis where he talks about how until you are like hanging on to the rope of faith, like dangling over a cliff, do you truly appreciate what it is that you're holding on to? Yeah. And I think that that is kind of how covenants are. Like we don't totally appreciate the power of them until it's the thing that we're relying on more than anything. So, for example, my my mom's dad passed away last September and my grandma, I was talking to her on the phone one day and she said, I don't know if it's true that there's something after this life. And she goes, but I sure hope it is. And she said, and even if it wasn't true, I would still believe it because I think it's the most beautiful thing in the world, you Aww. know? So like at this point, she's like lost her husband and she's just hanging on to that belief. Yeah. But I think covenants are, like I said, they're playing the long game because I don't think until way l further down the road, do we look back and recognize how powerful and the force that those covenants have been in our lives. Yeah, that's profound. And I totally agree with what you're saying. Okay. We could, I literally could talk to you all day. I had <laughs> questions about Peter being the co-star. I had questions about different ways to be a Christian. I mean, I have a whole list. So if anyone's listening to this, you're just going to have to go read the book all in. <laughs> but I have one last question for you. Yeah. And that is, if there's one message that you want the people listening to this episode to remember, what do you want that message to be? It's a great question. I think that the biggest message that I want people to take away from this episode and from this book and from the All In podcast, if they've ever listened to it, is the knowledge that they're not alone. And I think that in the world that we live in, there is such an effort to divide us 
and to make us feel like we're the only ones going through what we're going through and nobody else would ever understand or we're completely isolated and believing the things that we believe and it's out of style to, you know, be a religious person or whatever it is. Right. And I am a believer that there are so many good people in this world and people that want to do what's right and people that will support you in your hard times and people that want you to be a part of whatever it is that they are. And I think we're stronger together than we are apart. And so I think that would be the biggest thing is just you are not alone. And even in those moments, there's a part in the book where I talked about being a single member of the church, which our our church is like very family oriented, which can be hard sometimes. Yeah. And I had this part in there where I talked about how how I've had friends that have ministered to me in like times where I felt super lonely and that sometimes it was like a bag of apple chips showing up at the desk downstairs at work with a long letter attached to it. And other times it was candy bars left on my doorstep. And I put that in the book and then I had some dear friends of mine read the book for me and just give me feedback before I turned in the manuscript. And one of them said, well, what about the times where nobody does drop anything off at your door? Because those times do happen. And when she said that, it was like these memories flooded back to me, not of the times where friends had done something for me, which certainly happened, but of other times where I was crying on my knees in my bed, you know, asking for help and the help came. So sometimes I think God comes to us through other people to let us know that we're not alone. And sometimes God comes to us as God. And we just have to take him however he wants to give himself to us. But the important thing is recognizing that regardless of how we witness God's hand in our lives, recognizing that it is there. So good. Morgan, I have loved talking to you today so much. If other people love this too, where can they find your podcast and buy your book? So the All In Podcast, you can find anywhere you listen to your podcast, I think. I'm pretty sure. And then the the book you can find on DeseretBook.com or in Deseret Bookstores. And then I think it also is now on Amazon. Awesome. Okay, we'll link all of those in the show notes too. Thanks again. Thank you so much. So good to be with you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode. 